chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse number 32, and so you can go ahead and turn there, and we are continuing our series today, Unshakable, and we are talking about God's call to us to be generous. Now, last week, if you were not here last week, you might uh, might wonder where we're going, so for the next, uh, actually this Sunday and next Sunday, our focus for, for, the th- for three weeks is on generosity, and we really believe that God has called us Uh, to be generous. So that's why we're looking in the text uh, that we're looking at today. Now I want to start off by sharing uh, just a story with you. There was a a man named Ali Hafed. He was a Persian. He was a tremendously wealthy man. Now what was interesting about him is that he heard about all these guys going over onto the continent of Africa and they were starting to find diamonds all over the place. And so he was wealthy, but even though he was wealthy, when he heard this, he wanted more. And so he sold all of his property, left his family, and for the next number of years, he went over to the continent of Africa, traveling all around, looking for a diamond mine. Well, he did this for years. He never found a diamond mine. He ended up dying totally broke. Now, here's what is interesting. It's tragic, but it's interesting about the story is that the property that he sold, the guy who bought it happened to be riding a camel one day. He went across the stream. As he was going across the stream, he looked down and he noticed a rather large black stone. He picked it up and it turned out to be one of the largest diamonds in the world. Uh, For a number of years, Ali Hafed's property that he sold was the largest and most productive diamond mine in the world. That would be me. Right? I mean, that's the kind of deals that I make. Now, now here's the thing that is interesting about that. Is Ali Hafid was a guy who was already wealthy, but he wanted more. And so he left what was right in front of him the entire time, searching for more, and he ended up broke. Now, that is how a whole lot of people end up living their lives. We're not, we're not content with what we have. We don't understand what we've been blessed with. And so we leave behind what we have, going elsewhere, searching for more, and we end up broke. Now, today, as we continue our series, The Call to Be Generous, we're going to see the Apostle Paul sharing with us just a really important lesson today. And that is this, that generosity, when God's people are generous, that God brings joy. So being generous is something that will transform your life and it will bring joy into your life. So that's why we're looking in in Acts chapter 20, uh, starting in verse number 32 in just a few moments. But as you read through this, you'll see that Paul was speaking to a church, a particular church in Ephesus. And it says that as he was speaking to them, that he was gathering with the elders of the church. Now, now what are the elders of the church? Um, now, this is, a little, this is free stuff right here. This doesn't have anything really to do with the lessons, but I just want to share this with you. I, I believe that whenever you look in the Bible and you see the term elder or pastor or bishop or presbyter, I, I think we're all, it's all speaking of the same office. And so this is a group of people that the Apostle Paul was sharing with. And, and Paul knew at this point that he was, that he was going to be arrested. He's going to go to Rome. He knew he was going to die. 
And so he's sharing with this group of people in our, in our scripture, really sort of like his last message to them. And, and he wanted them to be on the right track. You know, when he leaves, he wants them to continue on in the faith. But the message he shares with them is a message about the importance of being generous. That as believers, that God has called his people to share. And whenever you do that, and Paul says, it leads to joy. Okay, so then here's my question. Well, how's that possible? You know, how does generosity lead to joy? And, and I really believe this. I believe Paul shares with us today in our scripture some insights about how generosity leads to joy. And so we're just going to take a look at that. And if, if we're going to find joy in generosity, then it begins with this for us. We have to spend time in God's word. And Paul stresses the importance of believers knowing what God's word says. So I want you to look with me in, in verse number 32. Paul wrote, And now I commit you to God and to the message of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. All right, you see that there? He says, God will give you an inheritance. Now, now Paul was speaking here. He's speaking to the leaders of the church. But this is a message that's not just for leaders of the church. It is a message that, that's for everybody inside of the church. And if you look in the preceding verses, Paul talked to the church. He said, listen, I want you to know what I have done for you. Paul said, I have given you my time. I've given you my service. I have basically given you my life. I've given you everything I know to give. And now I commit you to the Lord. Now, now what does that mean to commit you to the Lord? Well, that phrase simply means this. He said, Paul's like, I am now praying for you and I'm going to ask God to provide for you I'm in first Thessalonians or second Thessalonians 1 11 it says now Paul said and in view of this we always pray for you that our God will consider you worthy of his calling and will by his power fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith now, you have to remember the context here's Paul Paul's time on earth I mean it's limited and now all of our time on earth is limited, but Paul's was especially short, so he wanted them to be looking for God's direction in life. And the reason why is because God's eternal. God is always faithful. God is always true. So he says, look to God for direction in your life. Now that sounds good, but now how do we do that? Well, I think mean, there's a couple of ways. One is you talk to God. You want direction from God, talk to him. You know, we call Another word we use for this is we call this praying to God. Uh, Y'all, I, I want you to know this. Every week, I seek direction from God, and I, and, I pray, and I pray for you. I pray that God will protect you. I pray that you will be faithful in your walk with God. I pray that we, together as a church, that we will be a light to this community representing Jesus. And so that's, that's one way that you seek direction from God. You pray, but another way you seek direction from God is you want to look into God's word. You want to know what scripture says. And I said, why do I want to know what scripture says? Well, because of what it is. Well, what is it? Well, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible's very instructive and helpful. Uh, Jesus said about it in John 15, 7, he said, if you remain in me and my words, my word, remains in you, 
He says, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. So these are a couple of things Paul points out. Whenever, whenever you follow God's word and live it out, this is what happens to you. Paul says in verse 32, what happens is you will be built up. Now that word, you know, build up, it's in reference to, you know, like construction. You know, so it's, it's, it's laying a foundation. So God's word lays a foundation in your life so that you can build your life on it. You can put walls on it, a roof over it. It's going to cover you. It's going to protect you. Build up means to establish, to make firm or permanent. Okay, then that's what God's word does for us. And so that's why we want to spend time in God's word. You see, God's word shares with you promises that God gives his people. It shares with you hope. You know what some of the promises God's given to us? I mean, John 3.16, it shares with us that God has given us an inheritance of eternal life. That's good stuff. Another scripture points out to us in Revelation 21 that there is going to be a day when God is going to get rid of every heartache that man knows. You might think, well, what what does this stuff have to do with generosity? I think it has everything to do with generosity. I think it has a a whole lot to do do with generosity. See, I, I really believe this. I believe a lot of people struggle with generosity because they think if I am generous with others, then it means that I have less. And so whenever we see all the stuff that we have that God has provided for us, we want to hoard it for ourselves because if I release it, then I'm not going to have as much. And so it's very easy for us to be selfish. But if we live like that, the guys, I think part of the reason why we live like that is because we don't know what this book says. We don't know what the promises that God has offered to his people. And a lack of knowledge is always destructive. Let me try to give you an example. Now, I don't, I'm not condoning gambling, so y'all don't write me letters or anything about this, but I'll share with you a little gambling story. In 2011, there was the the Georgia Powerball. Now, I'm assuming because y'all are here, you've never heard of that before. And so let me share with y'all what that is. There's a Powerball. You can go to, like, the gas station, buy tickets, and see if maybe you're going to get lucky and win this big cash prize. In 2011, the Powerball got up to $77 million. And then it was announced on the news that in a little town, right on the border of Georgia and Alabama, that the winning ticket had been sold. Somebody had won the $77 million. Now, whenever you, uh, because y'all don't know this, whenever you uh, win, whenever there's a winner, you have 180 days to claim your prize. Well, guess what happened? 180 days came and went, and the guy who bought, or woman, whoever, bought the ticket, forfeited the prize. How would you like to be that? Don't start looking in your wallet like, oh my gosh, I wonder if that was my ticket because you'll be really depressed. All right, so they, 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 they won, but they actually lost. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. They, they didn't know what had been guaranteed to them. Now, a lot of people are just like that. You know, there's a lot of us, we, we own Bibles, but we don't know what's inside this book. And because of that, we miss out on the joy and the promises and the hope and the assurance that God shares with us in this book. So Paul, is he's, setting, he's laying the groundwork here. He's like, listen, if you're going to find joy in your life and, and generosity is going to play a part of that, he's like, you've got to spend time in God's Word. 
No, we have to spend time in God's Word. That's why we do, you know, V groups in our church. That's why we want to teach out of Scripture, because there's promises in here we need to know about. But then here's the, the second insight that Paul shares with us and how generosity leads to joy. He said you have to be satisfied with what God gives. Okay, we spend time in God's Word, and then whenever you look in your life and you see what you have, you are to be satisfied with what God gives. Again, in verse 32, Paul said, I, I commit... I commit you to God and to the message of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. And then he says, I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. God, The Bible says God provides his people with an inheritance. That's what our verse just said. Now, what's the inheritance? Okay, one of the first verses, if, you're, if you grew up in the church, one of the first verses you learned is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Now that, that is the inheritance for those who are followers of Jesus. Now I want you to notice this. That inheritance, it is not for everyone. Paul said it is for the sanctified, for those who have been set apart. Now who's been set apart? Well, Ephesians 1.7 tells us. It says, we have redemption in him, in Jesus through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So those who have called on Jesus for forgiveness and surrender their lives to him now become a part of his family, and now they get to inherit what God gives, which is eternity. Now that's, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Your inheritance is eternity in heaven. And yet here's where a lot of us get in trouble. We hear that, we've heard that preached all of our lives, we grew up in the church, and yet, we want more. Yeah, I got eternal life, but I want more. Now typically, what is the more? Well, typically the more is stuff. You know, I want more stuff. You know, Jesus has given me eternal life, but I'm not real satisfied with that. Now, how crazy is that? You know, I want more, I want, I want more stuff. Yeah, I, I, and we, we sometimes we even preach this in the church. I don't know if y'all have heard this term before. Have y'all, I don't know if you've heard of the prosperity gospel before. Uh, let, let me give you a just a little definition of prosperity gospel. It is a belief that a financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God and that faith, positive speech, and donations to religious causes will increase one's material wealth. Now, I want to say this. There is not anything wrong inherently with material wealth. I don't believe that. It's, you know, it's just, it's ah spiritual. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Where I have a problem is if you say that a person is not in God's will if they don't have wealth or if they don't have health. Now, I got a real problem with that. That is not biblical. I struggle with that when that is being taught. So, so to say that, that if you don't have wealth and you don't have health, is, means you're outside of God's will, then, then here's what I believe that we are doing when we say that. We are saying God is not enough. That I need more. And a way that I have joy in my life is, yes, it's Jesus, but it's also stuff. Yeah, when I look in Scripture, here's what I learn. Jesus is enough. I mean, look at what Paul wrote in verse number 33. He said, I don't covet gold, silver, or clothes. Why not? Because his primary focus in life is not stuff. His primary focus in life is the riches 
of God's inheritance. And he wants more people to know about the goodness of God. You know, did you know in the Old Testament, Moses understood this? We're, we're, we're told about Moses in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy, it says, the short-lived pleasure of sin. For he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because his attention was on the reward. Moses was satisfied with what God offered. My fear is that too many times we're not satisfied with what God offers because we get distracted by what the world offers. And we take our focus off what God offers. Hey, let me give you an example. Uh, Nielsen Ratings said that the average American has access to 189 television stations. My guess is that's probably, probably pretty similar to you. I mean, in our house, you know, we, we just recently moved, so we live out in the boonies. And we, it's, we're just lucky to have one station. So we got, we got YouTube TV, so I have like around 100 stations. But who needs that many stations? I mean, you know? I mean, you kind of go through, you're, if you're looking for something to watch, and you're kind of scrolling through, and, you know, there's stations, like, I'm like, why is this a station? You know, you have Food Network, you know, you have HGTV, you have Lifetime, those wonderful movies on there, you know, so, you know, and I'm like, I'm just scrolling through that, and I'm looking for something to watch, and by the time I finally find a show I want to watch, I've missed it. Because I've spent so much time looking at all the other garbage that I actually miss out on what I really want to watch. Well, in a sense, that's what happens to a lot of us. We, we get so distracted by the, you know, the constant stuff of this world that we miss out on seeing what we actually really want, which is what God offers. What does God offer? Contentment. Forgiveness. Purpose. Meaning in life. You know, I look at Paul and I see that Paul was able to focus in on the offer of God. And because of that, the stuff of this world, he just, he had a real light grip on the stuff of this world. And so when other people were doing really well, you don't see Paul getting jealous. I see that all the time today. Paul didn't get jealous because somebody else had more than he did. Like, I have enough in Jesus. He's able to celebrate with what God had given him. Whenever he saw other people who were more gifted than him, he didn't say, man, God, why did you give me the short end of the stick? He didn't do that. He was satisfied. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He said, I don't say this out of need. He said, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And he had joy. I said, y'all, generosity leads to joy. But for that to happen, there's some insights that, that we need, that we see Paul points out to us. First of all, spend time in God's word. The second thing he points out is be satisfied with what God gives. And then here's where the joy comes in generosity. He says, and then share what God provides for you. Share what God provides. Now, look with me in verse 34. He said, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who were with me. He said, in every way, I've shown you that by laboring like this, it's necessary to help the weak 
and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I really think this is one of the neatest things about, about Scripture. And that is this, that there are blessings that come with people who are generous. Now, I'm sure that a lot of you already know this, but you know the Jewish people have been chosen by God. They are a chosen people. They are a special people before the Lord. We get this back in, all the way back in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 12, 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God has, has just graciously blessed the Jewish people. But he blessed them for a reason. And, and we see this in Romans 1.16. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. And it says, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. So here's the idea. Salvation, first of all, came to the Jewish people, that message, not for them to hoard it and keep it for themselves, but for them to take the blessing that God gave them and to share it with other people who are Gentiles, like my guess is, like most of us are, so that we can hear the message of salvation and be changed. Village Church Christians, we have the same message. God has given us the message of the gospel, not to keep for ourselves, but to share. He's given us the blessings of finances, not for us just simply to hoard for ourselves, but also to share. Our focus in life is not to be about getting. As a Christian, our focus in life is to be about giving. Now, now why is that? Because that, that is an attitude that's Christ-like. I mean, you are like Jesus when you are generous because everything about Jesus screams out generosity. So we're called to be generous. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Being generous is not easy. I mean, that's why Paul said, if you look in the verse we just read, Paul said that he had to labor to do this. Okay, now another word for labor is to toil. Now, I don't know about y'all, the word labor seems a little, but a little nicer. Does to, doesn't toiling, honey, why don't you go out and toil in the yard? I'm like, oh, you know, that's like the last thing I want to do. I mean, you say, you say the word toil, I automatically think, it's just sweat. You, know, you sweat and you're sore and you're like, this is awful. Paul says, generosity is toiling. Ugh. Y'all, I'm, I, you know, just check me out. You know, if you use the word toil, I'm not going to do it. Like, I don't, I don't believe in that. Okay, so then I look at that, but then I say, well, why would I want to do that? Well, look how it ends. Look how it all ends. If you look at, at the very last verse, so we just read verse 35, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, the, the word more in English, it means greater and to a higher degree. Now, y'all, I'm all about, I want to be blessed. But then Jesus says, we can take it to another level. How would you like to be more blessed? Doesn't that sound good? You're blessed? Well, I'm more blessed. I mean, that is a totally different degree. Now, how, how do I get more blessed? Give. Be generous. Have you, have you ever experienced being more blessed because you were generous? Yeah, I love this story. There's a story told about a, an American soldier right after World War II, and he was in London. 
he's walking down the street, and he said he saw a little boy that had his face pressed up against a donut shop. He should have come to our church, right? So his face pressed up against a donut shop, and there's all these donuts in there. He said the boy, he could tell the boy, they didn't have anything. And so the American soldiers kind of looked at him, and he walked in the donut shop, and he bought a dozen donuts, and he came out, and he just gave them to the boy. He said that boy just started pounding the donuts, you know, just eating them. And he said, I walked off. He said, it made me feel good. He said, I'm walking off. He said, that little boy caught up with me. He was grabbing on my coat, yanking on me. So I stopped him, looked at him, and said, Mr. Yeah. He said, are you God? I thought, you know what? Christians, let me tell you something. We are never more like Jesus than when we're generous. We are never more like Jesus than when you than when we give. You know, giving is the it's the character of God. You know, Psalm thirty-seven, Psalm thirty-seven, four says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." In John three sixteen, we see that God gave us the very best that He had when He gave us Jesus. In Matthew seven, Jesus said, "Ask." and it will be given to you. In in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about the grace that God gives. Generosity will get people's attention because it's so rare. And that's who we're called to be. As Christians, generous. There's a story in Fortune magazine a couple years ago about Hillcore Corporation. They had a tremendous year of business They have 1,380 employees. The year was so good that they gave every employee, regardless of what they did at the company, a $100,000 bonus at the end of the year. I see some of y'all are like, you're getting your resumes ready right now, right? That, That ain't bad, is it? So, so one of the people that worked for them said, when we got that, and they said, the company always treats us well. Whenever we got that bonus, he said, man, I'll tell you what, it motivates me to give 100% every day for this company. And I thought about that. I was like, yeah, that's impressive. I thought about, think about the bonus that Christians have been given. Right? What's the, you know, we've been given the bonus of all bonuses. Forgiveness. And a promise that we have life after death. Now, if that's true, do you think that we ought to give 100%? You know, if somebody's going to give 100% for $100,000, now I think we ought to be able to do, do the, at least the same thing as them because of the blessings that God gives. Now, now Paul shares with us, he said, when you're generous, he said, there's joy that comes with it. And so so how, how do we move towards that? So we have to spend time in God's word. Spend time in God's word, be satisfied with what gives, with, with what God gives, and then share what God provides. So here's how we close out. Are, are you interested in joy? Or are you interested in fulfillment? Are you interested in being whole? Because let me tell you something, it will only happen with Jesus. Mm-hmm.